0: Okay. <clears throat> Should we pray? Father, as we think about the ascension of Jesus, help us to know what it means for us in our daily lives and to apply the things that you say to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the reason we're looking at the Ascension, even though we usually celebrate it in May, is because the children were going to be learning about it today, but I don't think any children have gone out, have they? But never mind, we're still looking at the Ascension. Every year on Ascension Day, the church in Ibiza goes up to the highest point on the island to see the sunrise and to sing hymns of praise to God. And we have been privileged to take part in this for the past three years. But a couple of days beforehand this year, David had asked people here to pray for rain because the island desperately needed it. <coughs> and ever since he sent the email, it hadn't stopped raining. Your prayers are so powerful. And so on Ascension Day it was coming down in torrents and uh, we were driving with others to the bottom of this this mountain and we thought what are we going to do? And then we got a a message on the mobile from the chaplain of the island saying it's too dangerous to go up the mountain in this, this torrential rain All meet at my house and we'll have a service there. So we did that, we went across to his house, and wonderfully, as we got there, the rain stopped. And he has a flat roof, so we all went up onto the roof, and we sang our hymns of praise to the risen Lord as we watched the sun come up. And then later on, the rain came down again. So this is how God answers your prayers, you see, giving us a little bit in between where it was beautiful and we could see the sunrise. And just to show you something of what the sun is like, this is when it was first coming up. And then it went through a time as it went sort of through clouds, and then in all its glory. And it was very much a visual aid of Jesus. They saw him starting to rise, the clouds hid him from their sight, and then the glory as he ascended to his Father in heaven. That was just like Jesus. Now, I never used to think much about the Ascension. We never used to celebrate it until I realized that it's his coronation, the coronation of Jesus, his enthronement when he took his place at his Father's side and began to reign. Now, of course, most of us will know that he actually reigned with the Father before the world began. But this is different because he now reigns as God and man. It's a lamb on the throne, the lamb who was slain for us. As Graham Kendrick says in one of his hymns, he has lifted humanity to the heights of his throne. That's what makes the difference. And because he's ascended, we now know that the Father has accepted the sacrifice on the cross. And that now our salvation is secured. And we've come to the final stage of God's wonderful plan. And this is in fact the age of the Spirit. Now next week Libby is going to be speaking on the Spirit. So I'm saying very little about that. Except that everything that I share that's possible for us is only through the Spirit. You bear that in mind. So let's look at some of the benefits to us of Jesus' ascension. The first thing, we can now enter the Holy of Holies. We've been singing about this Holy God. And as sinful men and women, we should just burn up in his presence. But because Jesus has gone there, into the Holy of Holies, we can enter as well. We can actually know something of the Shekinah glory, of our God and we don't come in fear and trembling we come knowing that we are welcomed and accepted and loved with an overwhelming love Psalm 16 verse 11 says in his presence is fullness of joy and even though when we come right into his presence we feel that awe we also feel such joy Wonderful, wonderful joy. In fact, if you think of the thing that's given you most joy in in your life so far, his joy surpasses it all. In fact, it's so great that we couldn't stay there all the time. We just get glimpses of it now because our hearts would burst with the joy if we stayed in it all the time. So we get these little glimpses of his glory little tastes of being in his presence. And those things wean us from earth. They make us realize that's where we belong. That's where we want to be, in heaven. That's our home. This isn't our home. And it gives us a a greater desire for him and to be where he is. I'm sure most of us have seen the advert on the television of a certain firm that takes such pride in the quality of its goods that it always ends the advert with, it's got our name on it. All seen it, it's got our name on it. And God is preparing a place for us in heaven with Jesus and it's got our name on it. Can you think of the wonder of that? We don't have to think, am I going to get in? Am I going to be accepted? If we love Jesus, then our name is written in heaven. And Jesus is preparing a place individually, personally, for each of those who love him. Which means that one day we will be with him all the time. And we'll then have new bodies, so we'll be able to stand the joy. Our hearts won't burst then, we'll be able to enjoy it. Just being with him. But we don't have to speculate about what it's going to be like in heaven. Some people do that and waste a lot of time. We're not told, we just get glimpses of it. But we do know it's got our name on it. And if there's anyone here that's not sure, please have a word with someone afterwards. Because Jesus wants you to know that you're welcomed in heaven. There's a place for you. He wants you to know that. Everything he sends now is preparing us for that place in heaven. And he can do that. He can order our circumstances because he is now in complete control. After the fall in the Garden of Eden, Satan ruled the affairs of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air. And we were once all under his control. But now, through the the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, the curse has been broken. And in Ephesians 1, it says, God's power raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above every principality and power in this world and the next. Satan is under the feet of Jesus and so he can be under our feet too. And we can have hope that whatever happens to us in this life, if God has allowed it, then it's for our good and it's part of preparing us to go to be with him. So we can know that far above the universe is seated the lamb who was slain for us, now the king of the universe, and whatever He wants will be what will happen. Because Jesus reigns in heaven, we can live above our circumstances. Romans 5:17 says, "We can reign in life, here and now. How can that be? How does that happen? Ephesians 2.6 says an amazing thing. It says, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And for a long time I tried to work out, what does that mean? We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And what it means is that spiritually we can live as though we were actually there, physically. We can see the whole of life from his perspective looking down upon our problems instead of being right immersed in them so we can reign over our circumstances. Now in case you think that's the way I always live, let me tell you it's not true and just have a word with David and and he will confirm that, that a lot of my life is on this level. But I have learned that it is possible to live on that level with him. I've had times of experiencing it, and each one has made me long for more and more of life on that level. I just want to share one thing that happened that taught me this. I was going backwards and forwards between Bedford and Wigan, in a second-hand, quite an old car, uh, visiting David's mother, who was dying in hospital. And coming back towards Wigan on one occasion, the car spluttered. There was obviously something very, very wrong with it. Oil was pouring out everywhere. And I limped into a service station. Is that that's the feedback? No? I limped into a service station and I rang the recovery vehicle. And when the man came, he took one look at my car and he said, it's a write-off. He said, there's no way you will drive that again. Now my normal reaction is, oh dear, what am I going to do? How am I going to get back to Bedford? How am I going to get a car? It always used to take me weeks, if not months, to choose a car. That's my normal reaction. What happened? The words came into my mind. I just want to praise you. Lift my hands and say I love you. You are everything to me. And I exalt your holy name on high. And it came so strongly into my mind. I was singing it over and over inside. All the way back with my car on the back of this lorry. I was singing it and feeling praise and joy. And it didn't make sense. That I can't haven't time to go into the whole incident of what happened. But within about three days, I was driving back down to Bedford in another better car. The best one I've ever had. And all provided by God. He knew, you see, when I broke down, what plans he had for me. And for once in my life, I let him lift me onto his level. I was able to praise him, and then I saw him working it out. And I don't know about you, but my desire is to live like that all the time. And it doesn't mean, I was talking this over with David, and he said, you can be so heavenly minded, you know, earthly use. But if we really live like that, we should be more use on the earth. If we've got the mind of Christ and we're living on that level, we should be more useful, more able to help people on the earth. And I'm sure this is what God wants. He wants us to live with Christ in the heavenly realm. But the problem is, things of earth crowd in. And we don't always live holy, radiant lives, do we? we're very much earthbound. We get anxious and worried. We get hurt by other people, get oversensitive. Or sometimes we hurt others. We let others down or we let ourselves down. And we end up with guilt because we feel we should be living on that level, but we're very much on this level. And then the devil attacks us. Haven't you found that when you're down? That's when he comes along. kicks. And he says, you, a child of the holy God? You, a Christian, behaving like that? And even worse, he slanders our father. He said, is that one of your children? Child of the heavenly God. Wow. Holy children, saints. And he slanders God. What can we do? We can live in guilt or we can do something about it. Because we have a representative now in heaven. I used to wonder what it meant when it says he intercedes for us. I think Jesus praying for us. But he's the mediator, he stands between. And when the devil's accusing God, Jesus speaks out and says, I died for that. My death covers that sin. You see, he didn't just die generally for the sin of the world, he died for every sin. We could ever commit some time ago, I was talking with a young girl who'd chosen to have an abortion because she wasn't married, and she was a Christian, and she was bowed down with guilt. She was in a terrible state because she knew what she'd done was wrong. And as I, I listened to her more than talking to her, I let her pour it all out, and I suddenly saw that that sin, an abortion, is a sin that sin was actually nailed to the cross. And I shared that with her. And wonderfully, she saw it, and she was able to accept it. And we need to see that our own individual sins that make us feel so bad were nailed to the cross. And Jesus speaks out in heaven, and he says, I died for that sin, my death covers that sin. And so we can accept forgiveness and keep our heads high and go on, all because of the grace of Jesus. And there may be sometimes, and may be somebody here who has a problem forgiving themselves. Um, it's not something I've had a problem with. Normally, I, I can accept if God forgives me I'm forgiven. but some people can't forgive themselves. And one of the things that, that Jesus said to me some time ago when I was wondering if I was forgiven, is, "Which is greater?" Your sin or my grace? And if we think about that question, how could we say our sin is greater than his grace? We can't say that. His grace is amazing and covers everything. And he's speaking out on our behalf, telling the whole of the universe, all principalities and powers, this child of mine is forgiven. My death covers it all. We don't belong in the mud, no matter how many times we fall into it. Ed was talking about getting mud on our wellies, and I'm sure every one of us knows that feeling. Ah, done it again. I've slipped again. Sometimes the same sin over and over again. Mud on our wellies again. But we don't belong there. So let's keep getting up when we fall, accepting his forgiveness, accepting that he is speaking for us in heaven. He's our advocate. He died for us. And let's learn to live where we belong, in the heavenlies, with him. Can you just close your eyes for a moment? And let's each one of us personally acknowledge Jesus as King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. In our minds, let us bow the knee and worship the Lamb upon the throne, the one who left all the glory of heaven for our sakes, to suffer and die, and to take our humanity back to heaven, where he's preparing a place for us, and will one day take us to be with him forever. Now a prayer. Lord, I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. Bring me close to where you are. Amen.